Hey, hello everyone. My name's Al. Welcome back to Shelters by Jesus Radio. So glad you chose to make us part of your day. You are in for a continued treat. We have with us in the studio here a special guest, Scott Matthews. He's on staff here at Shelters by Jesus, and I'm here with Seth as well. Hello, Al. And it's so great to have you back, Scott. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. We're going to continue with the discussion, just getting to know you. We're so glad you made us part of your day. So, Scott, you told us you were involved in the Occupy movement. Yes. If it's okay, I'd like to kind of dive into that a little bit, because you know our nation's under a lot of scrutiny and attacks right now. We have people rioting and claiming membership to various organizations, and you made a comment earlier, and I'd like our listeners to kind of get involved in this conversation, that it doesn't matter, it's just a different name. But what was your mindset when you were participating in the Occupy movement? Well, before that, at that same time, that week, weekend, there was nothing going on. I wasn't doing anything with my life. And that's the kind of the mindset. So you're attracted by this. I say, I'm going to tell people what to do. I'm so disturbed with my own life. I'm empty. There's nothing left. I'm going to blame somebody else. I'm going to point to other people. I'm going to stop traffic. I'm going to clash with police. It's, it's a gang. It basically is. You can give it any name you want, but it's a gang. It's... I believe, in my heart, it should be a terrorist organization because that's what we did. We terrorized people. We put fear into them. We didn't want to do, if you didn't, we didn't agree what we said, we're going to go to your house we, in front of banks, in front of CVS, uh, South Station. We're going to stop all the traffic in the trains. And that was the purpose so you that you had us. in your life then? That was my purpose at that time. So empty, but I felt part of something. And that's what it is. We all want to be that's part the attraction. of something. That's the attraction. And being full of anger and emptiness, of course I'm going to take on the government. I'm going to do what I can to stop that. I'm going to tell you what this country should be like when I'm not doing anything with myself. That was emptiness, anger, frustration, unemployed. So that all had to do with... Yeah. No, I know you can't speak for everyone who participated, and I'm sure there are people who were participating there for what they felt were legitimate reasons. But Scott, did you find this anger, these things you talked about that drove you to participate in this? Was it common among some of the folks you met there? Yes, my little section was direct action. We were the muscle. Um, everybody else spoke. They were a lot were very intelligent people, but they were angry. And what the stories that I found that they were angry at their parents, maybe it wasn't love enough. And those are real intimate people, a handful maybe. And I think that when you have a, a room full of people or a tent full of people, and you just it doesn't take months to get the fire going a spark. Okay, we're going to point at this organization. We're going to do this. We don't like what you represent if you don't conform. It's a a different form of fascism. And you get angry, but you get so, it's emptiness. No matter what part you are, the conversations you have with people or what you think they're going to conform. This is going to happen. A news organization will come out. Basically, deep down, you just want to be heard. It's just misdirected anger is what it was. Mm -hmm. Maybe my life, my lifestyle, uh, my parents, something else that I didn't get or receive as a child was it enough love was it the nice house and we didn't get that so what you do is you misdirect that you point at somebody else you in a nutshell the people that i met my group were angry and we were the muscle of it and we made sure that you knew that yeah, you mentioned that you were pretty angry and that people tried to share the gospel with you how scott did someone break through to you when you're really angry, I know even as a Christian myself, when I'm really hurting or really angry and you come at me with scripture, I'll probably get upset at you because in my flesh, that's the last thing I want to hear right now because I'm too busy, absorbed in my own sorrows to want to hear yes. the word of God. And, and that's contrary to what God tells us to do. The, the Psalms are obvious, you know, in that. But Scott, how do you approach someone full of anger 
sorrow, resentment with the scripture? How can you at least begin with that? Well, person? first part, some of us got to stop talking and start listening, not pointing to them and saying, this is what this means. This is what John says. This is what Jesus said. Listen to where they're at. Don't try to, you know, sit down, have a cup of coffee, say, hey, what's going on? Now, sometimes, most of the time, it doesn't work. Jesus loves you. We don't want to hear that. Sit down and listen. I think that's a big issue. Myself back then was listening. Be, Instead be. of pointing the finger, right. but sitting there. So I realized that I'm not condoning the things that are going on, but it's all misdirected anger, and we just need to listen to somebody. But held them accountable, though. Not right. condone it, but held them accountable. Listen and love them. Jesus said, love your neighbor. Those people are our neighbors. That organization, those are our people. No matter where you stand on the religious or political scale, we'll say from us, for me, from a Christian, is to listen. We need to start listening instead of giving them the gospel. Listening. Jesus listened. Peter listened. He went where they So go, you're, you're saying, you know, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Yes. Right. And that's the importance of being able to reach yes, people. Yes, just right? be able to... Uh, you know, I heard it. Uh, a story related to that at the celebration of life for Ravi Zacharias. There was an individual who got an answer to his question, and it reformed his life in terms of uh, following Jesus wholeheartedly. And he knew the answer, and he had talked to several people, like 12 different people gave him pretty much the same answer. But he sat down one day, he waited in line, finally got a chance for Ravi Zacharias to answer his question. And the first thing he did, he says, well, tell me about yourself. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? What is your understanding of this question that you have? And he listened. He said that was so different from the other 12 people that had, when he asked that question, they just gave him the answer. He listened to find out where he was from, what his background was, then he responded. Certainly that's good counsel, I believe, yes. what you just shared. Well, it's getting people engaged and letting them know that you care. We're not just sending out tracks and, and saying, hey, you know, make a decision. Pastor Barry is very famous for saying we're putting the cart before the horse. If I come to you and I say, hey, I'll let you have dinner here, but you, I want you to sit through a service first, then you can have dinner. Singing for your supper. It's a difference <laughs> when you go to somebody and you just feed them. And then they, they start asking you, why are you doing this? Who are you? Who sent you here? And the door opens because, like Pastor says, you know, you meet their great need first, which is food, water, shelter then you meet their greatest need, which is salvation. And so, but people are open to you when you're showing the love of Christ rather than yes. just putting it on a bumper sticker. C.A. Spurgeon said, live the gospel, preach the gospel, when necessary, use words. And that's what it was. <laughs> mm. These guys would come to Boston, New York with a bag of cheeseburgers, say, God bless, and then leave. But there'd be tracks inside. That was it. What are they doing that for? Now I understand what that means. People are always watching. We could talk all we want. Clap hands on Sunday, but they're watching us. So you live the same life on Sunday as you do the rest of the week. So when come. you were angry and, and someone was trying to share the gospel with you, what was going through your mind? I couldn't wait. There was something about hate, and just they would come, and one guy preached. I remember we would bang the drums so we couldn't hear him, but he was still up there preaching, still up there preaching. We were loud and loud and calling him names, but we were going to get him around the corner if we found him. That's our mindset. You're going to tell us what to do, but it was love. I understand what that means now. We, they were still preaching. So you would listen to somebody then. That would be the counsel you would give. Listen to someone, kind of get an idea where they stand, and then what? 
Sometimes you get, my first ministry was in the streets of West Hollywood and, and L.A. That was excited. I was new, and I was like, I spoke the rock and roll language. What better place to, and it was that easy. I said, it can't be that easy, and it really is, to sit there rocking out with somebody and not preaching to them. Because in the 80s, the Christians used to hold the door. You're not reaching anybody where you're building a wall up. You sit there and say, John. So you put on some tight jeans. You put on a rock shirt, maybe a tight shirt. You grease the hair back, and you just kind of blend in but not compromising. And I got a lot of the fingers, but it was great because I did the same thing. Now I realized what that was, mocking the Lord. Mm. Now I would, and some days I would be tired and crying. See, I like I the knew. Eagles, you know, in Hotel California. Yeah. And then later I found out, wait a second, they're talking about hell here. You can check in, but you can't check yeah. out. And then, you know, what a springboard that is to talk to somebody. Uh, I like what you said, Scott. And this is why it's so important that people are being saved from all walks of life. Paul, Pastor Barry pointed out to me, Paul would use analogies based on who his audience was. was yep. He would use fishing analogies to fishermen, tent-making analogies to tent-makers. You live the life of sex, drug, and rock and roll. You can go to that crowd, and you can speak the lingo and somehow bring Jesus Christ into the conversation. At the same time, it was real. It wasn't, I read a book on Motley Crue or something like that, and then I said, I actually hung out with him. Like, what do you mean? What are you doing out here? I said, I'm just having a good time rocking out. But it was that real conversation, the listening. I said, I was at this concert. What are you doing here? Don't do that. And a contemporary Sodom and Gomorrah. But to reach people, Jesus went everywhere when he spoke for you and met them where they were at. The woman at the well, the stories like that, he knew. And he'd draw them to see where they were at. See, where, oh, my aunt was a Christian, or things like that. Sometimes it was like to have a good night. Maybe I'll stop at church sometime. Yeah, amen. But that was it. And God does the rest. That was my biggest learning lesson. It wasn't me. What was one of the three accusations against Christ, that he loved sinners? He ate with tax collectors and people that drank and rock and roll to our Western culture. Hmm. The same thing, and it really was that simple. I would try to figure it out, but there wasn't much to figure out. I'm doing what he has me to do. It was so easy. I was so free. I remember walking down the alleys. I'd come in the name of the Lord Jesus because you don't know what you're going to expect. So I'd leave some foods and pears or a pair of socks. And it's important. for You said you know you, you didn't go there to compromise. No. You went there and you, you stood your ground in your face. They would faith. ask me questions. I'd go, no. They're like, well, how dare you? I said, I'm sorry. That's what this, this is what this says. Hmm. And most of the conversations were like that. How dare you judge? But That's I kind knew. of exciting. I've gotten a fresh wind here. You know, mm -hmm. and, and like you said, Seth, Paul became all things to all oh, people. Amen. And he really did adapt. Even with the intellectuals, I'm thinking of Mars Hill. We have a town named Mars Hill. People are like, what's Mars Hill? Well, it's biblical. There are a lot of biblical town names in Maine. But he was on Mars Hill, and there were some real intellectuals there. And they were talking about intellectual things and life and so on and so forth. Then Paul stood up. I'm reading from Acts 17.22. Paul stood up in the meeting. Areopagus. Areopagus. Thank you. Scott, and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are in every way very religious, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you now. And so he did. He took that opportunity and said, You even have someone that you don't know about that you're worshiping. I'm fixing to clear that up with you now. That's good mm, stuff. That is good stuff. I remember the way he would coach Timothy in his preaching too. Don't compromise. Speak the truth in season and out of season. And we are definitely right now in this country in an out of season time. But if when we compromise the word, people don't get saved. Hmm. And I think that's important. Speaking of salvation, Scott, describe the experience where one day there's somebody who's saying, 
I'm not sure. There's your agnostic. I'm not sure about Jesus, if he's real, or I'm not going to follow him, or I used to know him, but, I, you know, I've lost my salvation. Then they go to a few services, and now, you know, they raise their hand, and they pray the prayer. They're back, or they're here for the first time. One day, you're cooking a meal for them. You're warming something up, and they're, they're heathen. And then the next day, they're saved. Mm-hmm. That must be kind of interesting. Begin to see that transformation. I've seen that a couple times. I'm not saying that I disciple somebody, but this guy, he was he played guitar, so we automatically clicked. So I said, what do I do, God? What do I do? And I was really, you know, six months in or seven months, a year maybe. He said something about Metallica, and my ears lit up. I said, that's it. He played. He wasn't sure about this job. He's having trouble with his girlfriend. I didn't know what he said. He was kind of not social, and I'm kind of getting animated at times. And we talk and talk and talk, and he came out to me one time a few months later. He goes, you know, I come to church is because I didn't know church people listen to Metallica. And I get the goosebumps now because I know he was going to say, I said, it wasn't me, it was that this was God, Vic. And I'm still friends with him now that they went to Mexico and got married. He's got a great job and he goes to church. I was just the person that God spoke to. And I, I rode the wave. I mean, I was excited just to be part of something because I was so out of season with reality that to be part of someone's life in that small part was awesome. Hmm. And I've had many conversations like that with people. I don't know where they are now or even people that witnessed to me. Or they were glory now. Mm. But I know that that's at the point that I believe will go off the theological reservation, but I'll see them in heaven and I'll know who they are. Nice. You know, we've had that conversation too, but we don't necessarily know the seeds that, that have been planted. Yeah. We talked about how Paul said, I plant the seed, Apollos watered the seed, but it is God who grows the seed, right? But to be right there and see someone grow right. is really awesome. Well, and, and that happens here too. You know, uh-huh. I, I've seen the people, we were just talking about commenting before we came on air that we could almost swing this whole sanctuary around there are people that sit in the back there's people there's a handful that sit in the front like scott but that being said something happens the lord gets a hold of somebody they answer that invitation and they go from the back to the front Mm -hmm. they go from a frown to a smile they go from miserable feeling worthless to full of hope we're not living by bread alone but by every word so i'm like i'm excited i'm like oh good i'll get 20 minutes with al's coming john or gary we're getting fed. And not just the hamburger or the cheeseburger, but when you get to know them, you look forward to them. And that's the communion of the saints. The spirit rolls around. And you're like, oh, I'm so excited. I've had a slow day. I've had a bad day. And when I see that person and hear the word, I'm filled up and I'm ready to go. It's like a new, that part is worth it. And it's, that's, I think, for leadership, for those of us in leadership, that is why grace and mercy are key. Because we get people who come in as they are, yeah. and they don't know about Jesus. They don't know about salvation. They don't know about following the Word. And so we need to show them grace and mercy as God shows us grace and mercy, and we need to be able to give them that space to let it click, yeah. and then they build that relationship. And like you were saying, Al, it's not just those changes, but all of a sudden they want to serve. What can I do? I want to be on staff, or I want to be helping. You know, I'm, I'm tired of sitting around. And it's so exciting to see the Holy Spirit it's like you plugged in this yeah. nuclear power plant, you know, and now they're on fire and they want to do everything they can for the Lord. I marvel at the work you guys do. That grace and mercy part, Seth and, and Scott, there's really something to that. Yes. Because people come here and if you just were so strict that you broke a rule, you're gone. Mm. I mean, we do have rules, and I want listeners to understand that this really sets us apart from other places and that we do have rules and there's consequences for sure. Accountability. Yeah. Accountability, you know, but we do ask for some basic respect. But then there are the people that 
they make mistakes. They do. <laughs> they and shoot their mouth off. And, and here's the deal is I marvel that you then, under certain circumstances and being led by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. can provide some grace and mercy. Well, I always think about two things, Al. Number one, God says, if you refuse to give grace and mercy, I will have none for you. And I have to remember that, that there will be a time in my life where I'll need grace and mercy. Secondly, Al, I always look at people like, you know, they've led a life of being ridiculed, run down, fighting, arguing, being angry. And so I'm hoping that by giving them some grace and mercy, that they're gonna, something's going to be like, there's something to this love. There's something to Jesus. Now, there is a limit, and, uh, you know, I always pray and say, God, you know, what do you want me to do? And, and hopefully, pray for me, please. I'm always trying to be obedient to that. Regardless of my personal feelings or personal offenses, I'm always looking to please the Lord before that decision is made. And there's oftentimes when I'll start marching over to somebody angry, and by the time I get there, God has calmed me down. And he said, Seth, this is what I want. So grace and mercy, absolutely. Same for you, too, Scott. You probably experienced some of that, too. Some guys being knuckleheads. Yeah, and, they, and it's like, I'm going to take my basketball, and I'm going to show you. Like I've been to that rodeo before, and it's harder, I want to say, living in the world and being part of all the stuff that's part of it and, being, and making it about you and then showing people what you're about. I could see, I could almost word for word tell them what they're going to say. I said to say, God bless. And that's usually what it is. A couple of times they've come back and go, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I said, well, God bless you. That's the way, you know, somebody was there for me when I wasn't so nice. But they still said, God bless you, Scott. I'm like, wait, I just told you off. And this was six years ago. So I have to remember, you know, like Seth was saying, that somebody showed me. And if I'm mm. not going to, just because they don't, part of my tribe, my social circle, that God's going to say, okay, I'm going to show you. And then take his hand a bit for a while and go, okay. And he punishes us. And I think that's, Maybe the mistake that some people say, we're all supposed to be loving Christians and we're just going to hug and sing kumbaya. But God's love comes as judgment. If we're not doing what he says, he's going to let us know in a certain way. Well, he chastens whom he loves. Yes. Right? Because he wants us to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. And so he will teach us a lesson. And it's always in a loving way. It's always in a redemptive way. It's not like, okay, I'm punishing you and it's going to, you know. You can feel his hand. I have. I have, but then it's always for redemptive purposes. Yeah. Well, I, like, I like that song, Kumbaya, though. I just want to... I just want to... <laughs> okay, I'm glad. But <laughs> no, I, I used to hate that song. Yeah, we can spice it up with some guitar okay, and drums. drums. So sure. You're playing a little bit of drums these days, I see. Yeah, a little bit. I've got a couple of beats. I'm not, you know, no uh, Larry Mullen from YouTube, but I'm starting to catch it. It's, it's, it's just another way to serve. There are many ways to serve, from sweeping a floor to needing a drummer. I'm not a professional, but it's awesome, and it's just part of a team. It's just, hmm. let's see what God will do, it. I'll send somebody else. But until then, I'm going to make some noise and make a joyful noise, and it make is a, a noise. Make a joyful noise. We have that up yeah. in the sanctuary. We do. Right now is one of the scriptures. What's the other one up there? Sing psalms hymns and spiritual songs. It's found in Colossians. Well, I'm just thinking of something. I believe in things you can't see. How would you respond to that, Scott? I can't see heaven, but I know I'm going there. Amen. We fight an invisible enemy. Yes. Spiritual warfare. And we've learned that, you know, that person we're mad at, there's something behind them that's driving this on. And so we need to know what's behind us too, because even as Christians, I find myself acting in my anger and doing the wrong thing. Uh, Definitely, Al, unseen things. Can you give us some evidence of unseen things? Well, okay. Uh, Prayers being answered. There you go. Like crazy around this place. I used to think miracles were real, but then when I got involved in ministry and I humbled myself before the Lord and we started praying and seeking His will, I know they're real. I've seen them, Al, and I know you can testify to this, Al, too, because you've seen them. 
Absolutely. We pray for something, God brings it about. The people who accept Jesus Christ here. You know, we had, my wife and I, we had one child and love them, still do, and always will. And then now we're expecting the second one. And I thought in my mind, this is before I knew the Lord, I said, is it possible to, is there enough love mm. to, to have a second kid and love them as well? And I found out, yes, that another one, and then another one, and now grandkids. So this thing that is unseen is so real in my life, especially now knowing the Lord and the love that he has for us. Now, there's something that I believe he loves mm. us. And I tell people that, too, when I go at a Bible study. I says, God's madly in love with you, and his love endures forever. And I tell them about that invisible love, but yet sometimes it's even tangible. And Absolutely. And we I see it worked out in, in people's lives like yours, Scott. Yeah, <laughs> and I always tell my daughter, you know, God is jealous for you. He does not want to share you with this world. He is jealous for me. Amen. And I that really touches me when I think about that, that he is jealous for me. He does not want to share Seth with the world. And he has ways of showing that. And some of the invisible things you talk about, too, Al, are consequences. Where God says, all right, Seth, you need to change this, and we're going to work on it together. He says that to you? He does. Yeah. He says that to me a lot. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're a loving God. You can't yeah. tell me. Yeah. Let's yeah. well, how we grow. You know, the, the fruit of the Spirit, that package deal that we get found in Galatians 5, love, joy, even in the midst of a storm, mm. peace, goodness, mercy, kindness, patience. Boy, don't we need patience. Well, yeah. Amen. Our, our yeah. faith is tested during times of trial, how big mm. or small they are, and it builds character. And if we're forsaking that, then we're just going to stay with Paul says, continual milk. You stay as milk as baby and not grow. And I, from my experience... I didn't have those people tell me, you got to get off the mountain, Scott, because it's back into another valley. And in those valleys, I learned, okay. You just mentioned being on the milk, and God requires that we grow onto the meat. Do you find that growth in God is always painful, mostly painful, sometimes painful, in that part of us is being like the vine that isn't producing, God cuts it He's off, throws cut it. it in the fire so that we can produce more fruit. Not less fruit, but more fruit. To either one of you. Yeah. Uh, do you find the growth in God to be painful or sometimes painful? Or? I wanted to stay. I got comfortable. And right before I started teaching Sunday school at that church, I knew I needed to do it, but I was comfortable being Mr. Security Man. I said, I had to, I've had to say goodbye to a few friends. I just, you know, I'd leave the door open, but I've had to say goodbye to friends because it wasn't, they were, it was just a nagging. They were dragging, and I knew I needed to. I let them go in prayer. Lord, I'm not, please teach me. I don't know how back then. I don't know how to do this. But I felt relieved, and he took care of it. And I've heard from a couple of them back. It's been a few years, mm -hmm. but I just went to a party last night. I haven't seen them in a long time. But I felt relaxed. I didn't have to be anybody else. Mm -hmm. They just weren't used to seeing me speak this way. And, and they saw that, not to be about me, but what God can do for anybody, no matter where you're from, socioeconomic status, race, sexuality, part of this group, this organization, he saves any man, like Romans 10 9, confess that you're a sinner and he will do awesome things for you. Well, you know, I've been around the block a while and I've almost come to the point now where I lived out some of the, what it says, like James said, and consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I mean, really? To find that to be a joyful thing, I still got a ring on my finger. You know, we're in our 38th year. Congratulations. And to answer your question, I kind of feel like there's times when don't feel real great about it what's going on and but yet 
I know, too. I, I start to take on the heart of God and see beyond what's going on right then. There is a certain joy that, you know, I can still realize peace and resolution to stuff that's going on in my life. But I have to stay close to him, mm. and uh, that has been the key. I know that it's a topic of a lot of our discussions is mm. just staying close to the Lord. Most times in my life when I have to change, it's because I have to give something up. And I don't like to do that, Al. Sometimes, and I'll be honest with our listeners, I've gotten to the point where, Lord, haven't I given up enough? And the answer is always no. You, you can never give up enough. Folks, if you could see, if God removed the veil from your eyes, you could see what he's saving you from, mm. what hell looks like, what eternal torment is like. You couldn't give up enough fast enough. And so I have to remember that. And I have to be like, Lord, all right, you know, this is uncomfortable. You're making me do something I don't want to do. I'm fine where I'm at, but you're requiring me to grow. And so, yeah, it's painful. A lot of times it's painful for me. Sometimes not so much because I can feel his gentleness about it and I don't want to disappoint him. So I want to honor him and do it correctly. Amen. Um, so yeah, I think, and I think the more you get closer to him, the more mature you get, it gets easier in some things. Yes. Some things harder because now you're at a whole new level of having to give something up. It takes a little more prayer. <laughs> right. Yeah. I realize that there's people listening to us that may be in a place where they're a little bit discouraged. Uh, probably a believer that's wanting to maybe get out of that rut in that place of discouragement. Maybe we could go around the table and we could speak to that person listening that's maybe a little discouraged about something. I'm going to do so in the form of a prayer. Father God, I pray that you would just inhabit that person that's listening right now who's discouraged, inhabit their their mindset, and uh, you would help to transform them and bring them into a place of joy and forgiveness. Uh, help them to forgive themselves even, Father God. And I pray that you would give them some renewed hope because your word says that hope doesn't disappoint, and you have a plan to uh, direct that person. So I pray that you would lift them up and shed light on their walk right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. I would say the person that's, you know, maybe they're in the midst of some addictions, whatever that might be, he's the only way. The Lord Jesus is the only way to get you to that point where it's a solid ground, and you start there. But maybe you've had the same job 20 years, and you're happier than you've ever been. But you're empty inside. You've got all the material things. You've got the nice house, the TV, the cars, the girlfriend, the boyfriend, the husband, but you're empty inside. And you call upon his name and he will reveal himself in a way that you will understand. I know something that's always been encouraging to me is when you feel like you've goofed up too much and God has walked away from you, he's done with you, he's had enough of you. I want to remind you of the importance of the prodigal son and the decisions that we make. And I have been prodigal more than once in my life and believed that I was done God gave up on me. I am alone now. I am reminded of the fact that God waited for me. Then when he saw me coming, ran and kissed me on my neck. And that is who God is for his children. He's waiting for us to come back. He is not expecting us to crawl through glass and to, you know, scrape our bellies on the ground and you know, declare our unworthiness. He said we were worthy when we accepted his son. He declared us righteous. It is his righteousness, his holiness. And I want to encourage anybody who may be struggling with, can I come back? Yes, come back. So with that said, I just want to say thank you all for listening to us. Al, it's been great. 
This has been amazing. I have loved this episode. Scott, thank you so much for sticking around for us for three episodes. Thank you for having me. Your testimony, your sharing has been incredible, and I'm greatly encouraged by it, and I hope our listeners were too. Can't wait to hear it come through on the radio. Amen. So, hey, if you're looking to get more information about Shelters by Jesus, you can do so by going to our website, if you'd like, at sheltersbyjesus.com. You can reach out to us by phone at 207 474 8833. You can check out our podcast website, which is at sbjradio.com. Or if you'd like to send us a letter, you can address it to Shelters by Jesus at 12 McClellan Street, Skowhegan, Maine, 04976. I just want to say God bless you. Thank you for listening. Al, thank you for being here. Great to be here. Thanks, John, our engineer, and Scott, our special guest. Amen. Amen.